So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast, and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. And today we are just hopping, diving right in. This podcast is my holiday gift to my mom, but it's actually two years late. Uh, so my mom came to me about two years ago and she said, Julie, for Christmas this year, would you just write down the ways that I've impacted your life? And would you share that with me? And friends, again, this was two weeks before Christmas in 2018. As a busy mom, it's been on my to-do list since then, which I hope you can relate with, uh, that long, never-ending to-do list and how many things on that list fall off. We don't get to them, even though we don't want that to happen. But in all seriousness, you know, the way that I work is I allow energy to flow through me and I create when that energy is with me and it's time for that energy to just flow through. It brings a lot of ease into my life and I have learned to not really allow the expectations of other people for myself to feel the weight of that, but just to put it on my to-do list. And when it's time, I know that it'll flow through in that divine timing, right? So this morning I woke up and as I always do, I asked God, you know, God, what would you have me do today? How would you have me serve today? And, you know, today is the day for that podcast. This energy is just flowing through me. And what I heard is, is that this podcast isn't just for my mom, but this podcast episode is for the moms and mothers who will be one day who don't often hear and who don't often see what the impact is of your tireless effort over a number of decades. So I dedicate this show to all of you moms out there, to all of the future moms out there, and to my mom. Before we begin, I just want to let you know a few kind of updates, right? I haven't been on here, uh, just me and you for a while, and there's some things that I just want you to know. I am doing the COVID dance right now, like many moms are, where my daughter goes to school, but it's only half days. They took out lunch, they took out recesses and everything, so 
when I am at home, I'm trying to kind of cram in as much as I can, but my doggies, they're always right next to me, right? They're right next to my feet and they snore. They snore loud. So I have felt bad recently in some of the episodes that we'll be putting up in December, January, February, you can hear the dogs snoring in the background. And uh, I just want you to know that it's not me. I have not fallen asleep on the podcast guests, but my puppies are, are always right next to me. And um, if you hear them snoring, it's, it's them. I'm blaming them. The other thing that's a little different right now is that I've decided to drive my kiddo to school and pick her up today. Decided this for a number of reasons of different things that are going on in our area. But here's how it kind of shakes things up with the podcast. So I get in line at like 8.40 to drop my kiddo off at school, get home by like 9.15, 9.30, and then I have to turn around and leave again about three hours later, 9.30 to 10.30, 10.30 to 11.30, 11.30 to 12.20. I leave at 12.20 to get back into that carpool line uh, to avoid the half an hour wait that shows up if you're only 15 minutes early in the carpool line. Many of you moms can relate. So while I'm in the, the parked car waiting to pick my kiddo up in the carpool line, I have been recording some angel stories and it's been fantastic. But I wanted to let you know this because if you hear a bus go by or if it sounds like I'm in a car, I, you know, invested in the best technology so that the sound is as great as possible. But if you hear puppies snoring, if you hear a bus go by, if it sounds like I'm in a car, it's because I am. <laughs> and I am happily in ease and grace just trying to make all of the things that I had done before still work in this odd time of COVID. And I just so want to thank you for your understanding. There's one more thing that I just want to let you know about. It's something that's super, super cool. I'm so excited about it. We are going to start a mastermind in 2021. And for those of you who don't know what a mastermind is, it's a very small group of people that you coach and that become this really tight-knit family that is your core circle throughout the year. And what we're going to do is I am going to coach this group of women for whatever your goal is. So if you come to me, and so many people do, people come to me all the time and they say, Julie, I want to work with you. I just want to work with you long term. And I've never had a program like that before. So a mastermind gives me the ability to work with you on whatever your goal is. So there is a program that I, I have channeled through that I'm going to walk you through in 2021. But it also leaves room for your personal goals and your personal development. So it's a lot of small group coaching, and then it also includes some one-on-one -on -one work, and it really keeps you on track with different exercises as you go throughout 2021 to really stay focused on what it is that you want to create. And you might say, Julie, I don't know what it is that I want to do. 
Awesome. That's your mission for 2021. If you don't know where you're at and you want to get on track with having a very, very clear vision of where you want to go, then that's what we'll work on with you. So if you've never done a mastermind before, really think about it as a year long coaching program. And again, very, very small group. So you're doing some partner work. You're really in a group too where I scan all of the personalities because we have to make sure that all of the personalities gel and mesh together and all are in alignment with one another. I'm going to do a podcast more on this, but if you want more information, definitely email us, juliejancis at gmail.com. Anastasia, my assistant, will send you some more information, a video to watch, and then there's a short form that you'll fill out and submit to make sure that it's a right fit. But there you got all the details. If you're interested, let us know. I am so excited because I feel like this is going to be my core circle. I get to know the Angel Reiki students so much, but I am so excited about the opportunity to work with a small group of people to encourage them and help them for a full cycle of full year to really reach whatever goal it is that you have for yourself and your life. Um, yay, yay, yay. That's going to be so much fun. If you want information, just email us for that. Uh, because it's not on the website. It's just a small new thing that we're starting. Okay, let's dive in. Let's talk about moms. Friends, I'm going to be really honest with you. I think one of the reasons, too, that I have not recorded this episode yet or just haven't sent my mom something stating all of the beautiful, magnificent ways that she has impacted me over the years, I haven't done that because I'm not the person that can sugarcoat something and just look at it from one rosy colored lens, right? Like I can't look at something and say, okay, you know, motherhood, ah, the clouds are parting, the heavens are opening up, and it is this magical fairy tale, right? The more and more that I think about my mom and my story And really, that relates to my story with my kiddo and how I'm a mom. The beauty is also in the mess, right? And my mom is this beautiful, complex creature who has had the biggest, hugest impact on my life. And that's really what I want to get to today. But I think to be honest with the story, you have to kind of get through some of the messy parts as well. And really, I think my mom's story also starts out with my grandmother's story. So my grandmother, my grandma Donna, grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and her mom passed away when she was very, very young. Uh, I want to say somewhere, I should know this, but probably somewhere between 10 and 13. She had a dad, she had older brothers, she had sisters, and my my grandma very quickly became the care 
taker of her household. She was doing the laundry. She was doing all of this cooking. She was going to school. And as she would tell the story, I mean, she had to walk miles upon miles upon miles, miles to school and miles home. And when she tells my daughter this story, my daughter's like, well, what happens if you had to go to the bathroom? And my grandma was like, well, there's a forest off to the side, you know, and my my grandmother, God bless her, did not have a force or a presence in her life that was this ultra motherly, soft, warm comforting presence in her life. My grandmother had a lot of raw, cold, this is how life is, suck it up, you know, just be here and be happy for what you have. Like that was her life, right? So my grandma gets to be, oh gosh, you know, senior in high school and she's thinking to herself, she talks about this, she's thinking to herself, I am going to hate living in this community. I've done the cooking, the cleaning for so many years, the last 10 years. I can't do this, you know, forever. I am going to die, you know, myself, my soul, my spirit if I stay here. And she said, Julie, the only way out of the life that I was in, she'll say, is to join the army. So that's what she did. She joined the army. And at the time the Korean War was going on, she she honestly says she didn't care, you know, where she went. She just she just needed for her own being to live. She needed to get out. So she gets into the army and she's stationed in Germany, which is a place that I would love, love, love to go to one day because she said where she was stationed back in the World Wars, my doggy's starting to snore right here right now, uh, in the World Wars, the, the generals and the war leaders would not bomb certain towns in Germany because she said that they were the most stunningly beautiful places you'd ever seen. So she said that was her backdrop, right? Like the most stunningly beautiful scenery in Germany. And she she also likes the fact that when she was um, stationed over there, there weren't many women. And so she said, you know, you'd go to the bar every night and you'd go dancing every night. And you just had the pick of anybody because she said there were so few women, so many guys that everybody clamored all over you. So... She very shortly met my grandfather. They got married in Germany. She got discharged when she got pregnant, came over and lived in downtown Chicago in the little Italian area in downtown Chicago with my grandfather's parents who were not warm, fluffy people. They were Sicilians who had come over from Italy and were trying to make a life here, did not speak English, you know, so she's there with people who 
maybe have a little bit of resentment towards her had just, you know, met my grandfather, didn't have that much time with him. And he stays in Germany, right? He stays in the army. So she's alone living with a different family in the Chicagoland area and starts raising my mom in this tiny apartment with her in-laws. And that's the backdrop, right? That's the backdrop of this 2020 year for me has just been, there's so much grace in it, right? At looking at our lives and thinking, gosh, there's so much that I want to do. Like I want to do this and I want to do this. And uh, there's so many different aspects of me. There are, there's the good girl and there's the egoic mind and there's experiences that I want to have in this life. And there's just so many different parts of me to explore and to discover and to really spend time with and do different activities that call to me. When we think about all of this and we think about the past, they didn't really have these opportunities to explore and to be truly authentically themselves because in this time, there was just certain social norms on women at that time. There's also this aspect that we had back then of just survival, right? Like not having everything all the time, just kind of being in this place of working our way up to have enough and this level of survival within us. So my grandparents' story overlaps with my mom's story. They're they're these people who built their way up from nothing to really building this family life that I always revered and thought was just the most beautiful family life. My grandparents had three children, uh, two boys, a girl, and I should say my uncle Vinny, who passed away shortly after he was born. So three boys, one girl, my mom, and they worked their way up. My grandfather always worked. My, my grandmother stayed home. She helped, though, in every way that she could. She did work later on, but they saved, they invested, and they ended up having their home in the Chicagoland area and wanting to make memories with their family. So they invested in a little house on a lake up in Wisconsin, Powers Lake up in Wisconsin, and then they were able to sell that, get a bigger house. They also had friends who had condos down in Marco Island in Florida. They had a, a condo down there since, you know, I was itty bitty. And I came into the world at this point where I didn't see any of the work that my family had gone through to get where they were. But I was born into this childhood where we had this amazing place to go to on Powers Lake in the summers where, you know, they had a boat and it, they had this backyard that felt like it was a mile, definitely not a mile, but it feels like that as a kid. And then we had this other place that we could go to on Marco Island. And we did, you know, we had so much fun 
as kids, going to different places. And my grandparents did an amazing job of keeping everybody together. At that lake house in Wisconsin, they'd have the whole family together. Different times, you know, a couple times throughout my childhood, you'd see everybody just getting together for these big family parties. And even for like holidays, Christmas for us, Easter's different times, we lived always far from my grandparents, but we would fly in and we would spend time with them. And whenever we went to their house, it wasn't just a couple of people. It was the entire big Italian family and these guys that would have the hugest belly laughs and cousins running around the house. And it's part of just what I love most about my childhood are just all of these memories that I have. It's not where we were. It was really, truly just being together with this family unit. And you could feel this glue, right, from my grandparents, my grandpa, my grandma, who got everybody together and took over these traditions of keeping everyone close. Again, just like it's one of the most yummiest loveliest pieces of my childhood. And it echoed throughout my entire life because I remember when I met Blake and we would talk about, you know, the things that we wanted in the future, I would always go back to that. Like, this is what I want. I want this family life. I love to have like the little lake house, right? And I love to be able to get everybody together and I want to be that glue and I want to have that joy. I wanted the life that my grandparents built. And I, I'm still working towards it today. So my mom comes about in her childhood. She's got these brothers and she's got her mom. And I think there was a, a level within her being possibly of really wanting to be emotionally seen and heard, or maybe, you know, I think we do this to ourselves all the time where we look out and we think the grass is always greener, right? Like that mom loves her daughter more than my mom loves me. I don't know exactly what it is, but I have seen in my family that there's been this rub, right? Like, and some people have it where they'll just say, my mom's my best friend, my daughter's my best friend, Awesome. That's so amazing. You have probably worked your way through a bunch of healthy ancestral, you know, past traumas. Awesome. You're on the right path. But for a lot of people, there's this rub between like, okay, I love my mom. She is one of my best friends. And at the same time, I have something within me that felt maybe like I wasn't getting what I always needed. And I think that my mom felt that within her. What I wanted to say in this podcast, though, is, is that always true, right? I'm not sure if we just look out and think the grass is always greener, but is it really greener? No. So when my mom and dad got together and they had me, 
we started out living in Illinois and we lived with my grandparents for the first year of my life while my dad was actually down, I believe it was in Texas or different places, getting training because at that time, Reagan was president. Reagan had fired all of the air traffic controllers when they tried to strike. And so my dad was able to get in as a new air traffic controller. Uh, he and my mom had been flight attendants. And they decided to let him be the air traffic controller. He wanted to work his way up to running airports. And he knew in order to do that, that he would need experience at all different types and sizes of airports. So we started out in Illinois, but then we moved to Vermont, two places in Vermont, and then Missouri, and then Virginia, Louisiana for about two weeks, and then we moved up when my parents split to Chicago. And what I love as I look back and reflect on my life, what I love about my mom is that she never hid anything from me. Even when I was young, I can remember being like in first, second, third grade and having these conversations with her. And she didn't hold back from telling me different things. She never looked at me like, you're a little kid, you're not going to understand, so I'm not going to tell you. She would talk to me, and really she didn't dumb things down for me. She'd just be like, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. And because of that, because she let me in so early and didn't try and hide away her emotions or her feelings, I knew when my mom up, was upset. You know, I knew when she was happy. She talked to me about feelings and emotions a lot very early on. She also let me in on her journey. Like I always knew where she was confused or she was working on something. She didn't write like totally have it down, but she'd be like, this is what's going on. And so her life kind of became this emotional puzzle that I would look at very early on. And I'd ask questions of myself, right? Like, where do I fit in here? How am I like my mom? How am I different from my mom? What's going to happen in my mom's life or what should she do? And I think I quickly became an advisor in her life and her allowing me to be that for her was huge because I didn't feel like there was an ageism holding me back within society. Like, I can't talk to adults because they won't listen to me. Or I can't talk or give advice to somebody who's older than me because I'm young and I should respect my place. That was never a thing for me. My mom truly gave me this beautiful gift of rawness within life, of here's what life truly is. At the same time, I also saw within my life other people, other women in my family 
making a lot of money, being the heads of their household. And part of me thought, well, mom, your problems are all that you don't have this steady paycheck and you rely on dad for money and you allow him to pick up and let us move every few years instead of you know, going after what you really want. You're always in the passenger seat. And I guess part of me kind of resented her for not being in the passenger seat. And I didn't have as much respect as I probably should have for the fact that it wasn't that she didn't want those things. It wasn't that she didn't want to be successful. It wasn't that she didn't want to have an amazing career. She worked towards it, but she had to make this sacrifice within our family of if, you know, my husband and I, you know, her and my dad have chosen to help him get to this point in his career where he can run airports then something has to give. And what gave was her wants and her needs. So there's part of me that looked at that and said, I can't go that way. I cannot do that. Perhaps it's because too, I saw a part of my mom's spirit fade away, right? Where she was trying to do so much all the time where she was always working and always managing these moves and managing everything. And she was exhausted all the time. And I thought to myself, there's got to be a different way. I later saw in my life where these other women who were very successful, some of them blew a lot of that money and had different distractions in their life that consumed their finances and kind of drained all that they made and realized from other people's lives what I wanted to do within my own and what decisions I was going to make within my own. Actually seeing people make mistakes and my mom being the one who talked to me about all of it was the hugest thing. You know, when I coach a lot of people, I still use that and spirit will bring that lesson through that I learned which is a lot of times we figure out what we want in our lives by understanding what we don't want. (laughs) And I know it seems counterintuitive, but when you can look at your list and say, okay, this is what I think I want in my life. And there's a hundred things on on that list and you start to chisel away and you go, oh, well, not really that. And oh, that person did that and that didn't work. Cross that out. It starts to refine your list and boil it down to a list that's really manageable. So I still use that in my my life of, well, what do I want? Sometimes I get to it based on what I don't want. And looking at, you know, how I grew up, I wanted to have a life where I wasn't just moving around all the time for my husband and that my life wasn't secondary. I wanted to do things myself. 
But I got to all of that information and who I am today, 110% is because of my mom and her allowing me to be closely entwined and part of her life so early on. One of the other things that my mom has always done, and it's had a huge impact on my entire life, is that she's always been there when I've needed her. So she never turns me away, you know, doesn't call me back for weeks or never disappears for weeks. Whenever I need my mom, no questions asked, she's there 110% to be my sounding board. And I didn't realize until I became an adult that not all people have that, but she's been this steady, consistent force in my life that I know I can count on 110% her being there. We might not always have the same opinions on things. I have set very firm boundaries with her in the past when I don't want to talk about something and she keeps bringing it up over and over again, but she's never turned me away, right? Like she's always been there as a sounding board for me. And that has been a huge safety and security net for me. I don't know if you have this, but I have it where at times my egoic mind will bring up this question of what happens when you get that call? I'm going to start to cry. Um, Like what happens one day when you get that call that your mom has passed away? And Like that is the hardest thing for me to think about because it totally rips away this underlying sense of safety and security with me that the person, the one person who has been there since my birth, who has always been this sounding board for me of reflecting back my journey, who's known every step I've ever taken and who can say to me, me. I think this is right. I think this is wrong. Who can kind of be that that opinion in my life that I look to, that's going to be one of the hardest things I ever go through. My God, folks, I started this podcast because my dad passed away and I started hearing from him and and he and I weren't talking very much. Like my mom has been one of the biggest forces and influences in my entire life and thinking about um, a point in time when she's not here is 110% just like impossible to do because she's everything, right? Like she's just everything. So her consistency, her love, her never turning me away. I mean, she might not have always agreed with everything that I did, but she was never willing in her life to put down boundaries with me like I did with her and say, you know, I'm not going to have you in my life because you're making this decision. She'll give me her feedback on it. She'll tell me, you know, sometimes more than I want to hear over and over again what she thinks, but she's never going to 
disown me. And that in and of itself, because I've done that to other people. Like I'm just going to be really just raw and honest and open. I've done that to a lot of people. It's been easy in my life when I get in fights with people earlier on in my 20s and my 30s to cut people out because I moved around all the time growing up and I constantly had to make new friends. So it was so easy to be like, nope, done, can't do this, uh, bye bye Like, I'm not going to have a discussion with you. I'm not going to. And I've since learned how unhealthy that is. But my mom doesn't have that. My mom really has this strong sense with her children that she's not going to disown anybody. She's always going to be there. And that's been amazing. The other thing that my mom did for me was really tune me into my intuition very early on just by her being tuned into hers. So she would have these different dreams that she would tell me about that were always very prolific and is that or prophetic? Is that the word prophetic? Like she'd see things in her dreams and then they'd end up coming to fruition. She would get intuitive hits. She would never have called it that back then because she didn't think of it that way. But she would go based on her gut. And one of the things that she did was push me. When I was in eighth grade, my parents had just divorced. We had moved very quickly in with my grandparents in Illinois. And... It was a huge uh, trauma in my life. And I remember coming home and saying, you know, at the middle school today, some of the high schoolers came over and they were talking about uh, journalism and the newspaper staff at the high school and how you could do that. And my mom had always told me that I was going to be a writer. I I never saw that for myself, but she wouldn't let it go. She was like, no, you have to do this. You have to do this. And so she pushed me like, you have to be on the newspaper staff on your high school. And you know, when my mom would have that intuitive hit and she would be talking about something like this, there wasn't any saying no to her. So it wasn't like I could be like, no, I don't want to do that. She wouldn't let it go until I did. So I just did it. And being in journalism is a totally another podcast that I should probably do because that gave me the skills and the confidence that I needed to do so much else throughout the rest of my life. So in journalism in high school, I would, you know, be interviewing the principal. You know, who wants to talk to the principal at their high school? I feel intimidated even talking to the principal at my kid's school when I haven't done anything wrong, right? There's just this... I feel this intimidation when I talk to a person of authority. So I would be talking to the deans. I'd be talking to the principal. Uh, at high school, the principals changed and they were interviewing new principals. So I got to spend a day with the new principal. And 
I got used to really like getting on the phone and just dialing people up and being like, I just want to have a conversation with you about this. I just want to ask you some questions. This is what I'm thinking of. This is a story I want to bring to people's attention. Do you have some time? And I always thought it was interesting because, oh my gosh, I should totally have on my journalism teacher from high school. She's a saint. She taught us very well how to develop questions and go into an interview with questions. But this beautiful thing started happening for me. And I encourage any person listening who knows somebody who's in high school or is going to be in high school, even if you're a junior or senior and you haven't done it yet, it's not too late to start. Journalism, uh, the newspaper, broadcast journalism and being on the TV on, on your 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 high school paper, um, your high school broadcast TV, the yearbook, being in drama or theater or even the debate team, uh, these are all really amazing clubs in high school that develop skills that people use their entire lives. And what I saw a lot of was when I got into college, those who had been in those type of academic clubs, not that they were better, but here's what happened. They've built muscle memory. So I built muscle memory very early on when I was a freshman in high school being like, well, yeah, I I guess I can go in and talk to this principal. I guess I can go in and ask people questions. Whereas if people didn't do that and they were a freshman in college or even a senior in college and trying to start then with internships, they were actually emotionally back where I was at at that stage of me being a freshman in high school because they hadn't done the work on themselves to build that confidence, that emotional memory within their muscle memory to be like, yeah, I can do this. So I'd be in these interviews and this amazing thing started to happen where I'd have my questions listed out in advance like my teacher told us to. But then I would see it's it's a lot like what, what Spirit does with me now. And when I talk to all my therapist friends, they say that this happens to them. You'll be in a conversation and I would be thinking to myself, okay, I want to, I want to figure out these questions because I think this is what the story is. And then spirit in the middle of these interviews would start to highlight or circle like, Julie, the story that you think is a story is not the story. This is the story. So all of the questions that I had come up with, I would change on the fly. And I would have this ability to go by what Spirit was telling me in the interview and just change the questions and ask different questions to get to this other story. And my mom had no idea of knowing, well, maybe she did. Maybe she did. I mean, because she was telling me I was going to be a writer for so long. She pushed me into journalism. And I remember coming home as a freshman saying, oh, my gosh, it's like the coolest thing. They're going to have people write for the Daily Herald from the high school. They're going to choose four people. Isn't that so cool? Not thinking that I would do it or, or even apply because I was just a freshman. I thought all the seniors would apply. 
And my mom goes, you have to apply for that. And I was like, but mom, you know, like, I can't do that. I can't do that. That's for the seniors, you know. And she's like, yes, you can. She's like, is there a rule that you can't apply? So I went in and I asked, no, there's no rule. She goes, so apply. And and I ended up getting it. As a freshman, uh, I was able to write for the Daily Herald, which is the third largest newspaper in Illinois from that time. Not to give kudos to myself. What I'm trying to say is I never would have done these things if my mom didn't force me into them. And I so thank her because it was the biggest gift that she gave me. Friends, there would not be a podcast today if I had not understood journalism way back when and developed that muscle memory and confidence within it. And so that became this part of my journey where then in college, I wrote for the college newspaper. My mom never questioned things. You know, I I ended up, I, I don't know why I'm being called to tell you this, but in between high school and college, I was invited to go to this camp at another school I was not going to be attending. Maybe I was a junior or senior in high school. But anyway, I went to this college for this camp. This college was probably like seven hours away. And I remember there being some weird stuff going on between, and I felt so super uncomfortable between the guys in this college and then on the newspaper staff and the girls that were there for this program. So I remember calling my mom up and being like, I don't know what's going on, but I am so uncomfortable right now. And like, I don't want to be here. And it wasn't like she gave me fuss about it. Oh my God, I can't believe I have to drive seven hours to come get you. And then seven hours back home. She was just like, put yourself in a safe position. I am on my way. No questions asked. And that was her method. This is probably something that you want to pause if you're listening to with kids and listen to this next part. And if you want to share it with them, awesome. If you don't, fine too. My mom, when I went into high school, took me aside and she said, listen, some people are going to be drinking alcohol at parties. Some people are going to be smoking what's called pot or weed at parties. She's like, this is how alcohol impacts your system. This is how weed impacts your system. She said, if you ever need me, you call me. She's like, but I'd rather you smoke than drink. And if you do either and you need me, no questions asked, you just call and I come. And what happened for me was then there was nothing to rebel against. My mom had just told me that I could drink alcohol or smoke pot. And so if I did it, she didn't give two hoots It took away any fun or rebellion that could have been there. So what ended up happening for me was I didn't. 
I, uh, you know, had one incident, you know, later on, first time with alcohol. I wish she would have told me how much to drink when you drink because I'm pouring a glass three-fourths of vodka and uh, a fourth of the way with orange juice is definitely not the way that you want to go unless you want to black out, which was my first drinking experience. Side note, was on a date with a really, really cute boy at the time, got to this party, poured that glass for myself, and they were like, we got to go to the football game. Time to go. Julie, just down that. And so I drank it all, like gulped it as it burned and seared down my throat. And uh, let's see, ended up like completely blacking out. I have no idea how I got to that football game, how I got to the stands, but my next form of consciousness is everybody fleeing from like the you around me, everybody who's to the side of me, in front of me, around me, like fleeing from me in the football stands. And I had not realized that I had vomited all over everybody in the football stands. The sweetest, sweetest guy at the school uh, found me because the deans were looking for me and was able to get me home to my mom. My mom had had the throw-up type of flu the night before, and I passed it off as it being that same type of flu, although it was definitely not. But that was like the first and only time that I touched anything in high school because I didn't have to. I didn't have to rebel against anybody. And if I needed somebody, I knew that she would be there. So I I like that reverse psychology and it's definitely something that I will use with my daughter uh, because my daughter's a lot like me. But my mom pushed me when she thought that I needed to be in things, and she wasn't scared for me to fail. I think it was different in our generation where we ran around, we did things, we were on our bikes all the time. I can remember being a Girl Scout, and this is more my my dad, but um, he taught me so early on to want to sell cookies and how to challenge myself to sell more cookies than the cookies that I had sold last year. And it created, you know, I don't know if it's right or wrong in this day and age of, you know, child labor. And I I don't want to make fun of that or poo-poo that, but it gave me this huge work ethic within me. He was so competitive of having to get the biggest prize that it created this drive within me that both of my parents really encouraged and, and helped nurture within me where companies would come to me later on and say, you're always the best at whatever they ask you to sell at your school. We have this catalog. If you go around, I think I was like in sixth grade at the time. If you go around uh, your neighborhood and sell this wrapping paper chocolates, we'll give you $2 for everything that you sell. I think I made thousands of dollars, you know, just doing that. Uh, and then while I'd be walking around, people would be like, hey, do you babysit? 
And be like, well, I don't know. Let me ask my parents. Yes, I do. And that led to like other gigs. So then when my parents got divorced, I wanted to have my own money. My mom probably just needed the help at the time. And I lied about my age to get a job working in a pizza place, answering the phones. And she always made me have a job. Even in high school, even as I was on the journalism staff and and writing for this, you know, other newspaper in Illinois, she always made me have a job. And she taught me very early on what it was to budget. She'd make me sit down, you know, me begrudgingly uh, sit down with her on Sundays and look at, okay, I make this much a year, you know, my mom would say, and here's what we have to pay. We have to pay the lights and we have to pay the house and the mortgage and we have to pay, or the, not a house, but a condo. We have to pay this and here's how much the groceries cost. And I can't buy you those jeans from Abercrombie because here's what we have left at the end. So if you want those jeans from Abercrombie, you need to go work for them. And it wasn't bad. Again, I'm not like criticizing anybody, but for the parents who I saw just hand everything to their kids and their kids didn't have to work for it, it wasn't really about the money. It was more about the work ethic. So I knew how to manage school and getting good grades, being in journalism, on the newspaper staff, writing for the Daily Herald on top of that, and having a job where I worked, you know, uh, you know, sometimes 12 at the end, junior, senior year, probably 20 hours a week on the side. And maybe, you know, kind of led to a little bit of a workaholism in me because I got my pride and I got kudos, you know, for being a good girl and working. But it also taught me drive. It taught me how to manage all of these different things. You ever heard people say you get all these different plates spinning in your life? Taught me how to do that and how to do it well. And so I did look to her for her intuitive input. And what I had to learn as a daughter is how to decipher between her, my mom's egoic mind, and what she would want for me as an adult because of what was programmed into her and what I had to do for myself. But my mom has been this ultimate, total, complete, huge, amazing influence on my life. And Every single aspect about my life is in part because of her, especially when it comes down to the spiritual side too. There would be times or years where my dad didn't really want to go to church, but my mom made sure that we were there every single Sunday. I don't ever remember her allowing us to go in to 
what do you call like that children's sector of the church when it was on Sunday, it didn't matter what age we were. We were sitting next to her in the pews and not falling asleep, but listening to what was being said. That combined with my grandma's obsession of Sylvia Brown on Mantel Williams uh, and allowing the three of us, the three generations, my grandma, my mom, and I to have these conversations about spirit, you know, in different ways and her going to church, but still being open to other things. And she got into A Course in Miracles for a time, really completely shaped my spiritual side as well. You know, growing up, my mom would always say, you know, give the glory to God. That was like one of her biggest statements over and over. And that shaped me so much throughout my entire life too. always putting God first. My mom helped me develop that intuition, that sense of spirituality. She helped me to really see and accept what it is to be fully human and growing and learning at all times and really gave me that drive and confidence and love and support to move forward in my life confidently. You know, going through this exercise and really thinking about this and marinating over it the past two years, the other thing that, you know, came to my mind was I I don't raise Elle in the exact same way. You know, I don't always talk to her like an adult. I don't go out and sell Girl Scout cookies with her. Uh, I buy a lot for her and I don't make her work for it. And this was a really good exercise to look at things and say, Yeah, but on the other hand, I have deep conversations with her about spirituality. And I've already talked to her about, you know, we're going to form your own company and what it's like to start an LLC when she is in middle school or high school so that she can understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And I do look at her life in different ways and help her build different skills consciously, you know, that that is something that that we're trying to do for her. So I don't know, this is just a really fun exercise. And if it's something that you want to do too, totally take this and make it your own. But you know, the biggest thing that I see now is I have these moments where I'll be in a conversation with Elle and I see her looking at me with frustration or, you know, curiously, but she's giving me these weird eyes and I totally feel like I am my mom in that moment. And my daughter is me when I was a kid giving my mom those exact same looks. And I can also at the same moment project into the future and see into the future. Al having these conversations maybe with her kiddos or some kiddos close to her and her looking back and understanding what it was like to be a parent. And that has really brought a lot more patience into my life over the last couple of years really a lot in COVID too, to realize how much patience my mom had to have 
in just raising us. And that I think I took that patience for granted a lot because she she was always kind in letting us come to things on our own. Um, she didn't often, you know, raise her voice at us. She never took her aggression out on us physically. She, she would kind of have this smile and just, I remember her when we were growing up being like, Brenda, take deep breaths, deep breath in, deep breath out. And looking, you know, back at it now, going through what I go through with Al, I realize, oh, okay, that was not easy for her back then. And she was trying to use tools and coping mechanisms that were working for her to bring that patience into her life. But she did it. And and that's amazing. And I try and emulate that within my relationship with my kiddo, too. You know, the the thing that's been hardest about this as well is every time I think about, you know, what my mom means to me, I I have this total fear of what happens one day when she passes. And uh, I guess we'll come to that bridge, you know, when that time comes. But that I can just imagine being the hardest time, you know, in my entire life. I don't know if I take a year back and and just spend a year in hiding or if it's going to be one of the biggest years of creation and her just flowing through me in a different way. But uh, it, it's definitely a huge energy that I feel within my auric field of not totally knowing, you know, how how it will feel to go through that experience when it happens and not wanting it to happen anytime soon, just wanting to cherish every single moment. And that's something that I, I'm going to start crying again. Um, That's something that I, I do do all the time. It's like every time because my mom and I haven't lived in the same state for like, gosh, almost 20 years now. Every time I see her, I give her these hugs and it's like I can't stop hugging her because I think to myself like, what if it's the last time I hug you? And um, I'll hug her over and like I will have like five, <laughs> we'll have like five goodbyes before we actually say goodbye. And she's kind of over it at this point. She's like, Julie, just give me one fucking hug and like move on. But I can't help myself. I'm like, no, like hug after hug after hug. You know, we need our moms and that never goes away. We just, we do. We need our moms. And, you know, despite our ups and downs, despite the friction that is there sometimes, she's one of the biggest loves of my life. So, mom, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And to all the moms and future moms that will be one day, your angels want you to know how much they love you, how much they're proud of the job that you're doing doing and how much your work really plays out in other people's lives, how much you really do impact your children. Uh, I'll just say this one more thing. When I'm in sessions time and time again, 
spirit always says, and they'll show me, it's not like I can see your thoughts in a session. I am not reading your thoughts, but spirit almost does this thing where I'll be looking at a client and they'll pull a thought out of their head and they'll say, they think this. And they do something very similar oftentimes when I'm talking to a client about something a mom has said, or when I'm talking to a client who is a mom about what their children think. And what happens is the things that we tell our kids, our kids take it in and it becomes this voice within them that they will hear throughout their entire lives. So when a mom says, you can be anything that you want to be in this lifetime, that kid will hear that when they need it. They will pull it out of them. And spirit shows me that they'll use that as a stepping stone. Those words, even if the mom said it 10, 15, 20 years, 40 years earlier, What we say to our kids gets locked within the code, within the programming, within them. And that's what I say, like that's what I mean in this podcast when I talk about speaking words of faith into people. We have to speak words of faith into our kids, into our partners, into our friends, into our coworkers, our bosses, our employees. Because all of these people that we have relationships with, they really do our words echo within them for years upon years upon years. So uh, I know I'm rambling. I'm so sorry about that. I love you. Spirit loves you. Open up your heart to all of the unexpected blessings that they're trying to bring into your life right now. And a very, very happy holidays to all of the moms, to all of the future moms, to my mom. Love you. Love you, love you, love you, mom. Bye. Friends, if you'd like to hear from your angels and loved ones on the other side, book a one-on-one session via phone, FaceTime, or Zoom. You can also work with me one-on-one when you register to take the Angel Reiki School online to develop and use your own unique spiritual gifts. If you're just looking to be able to connect with your own personal angels, the Angel Communication online course will teach you how to hear, feel, and connect with your personal angels more clearly. Friends, if you get benefit from this podcast, please subscribe, rate us five stars, and ask a friend to listen. Don't forget to look in the show notes to see the winner of this month's free drawing. You're entered into the drawing when you write a five-star positive review and email it over to us so that we know how to contact you when you win. Now, if you have time, I want you to pause and do some energy work with me for a moment to lighten, clear, and reset your own energy. To start, I want you to take two deep breaths. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. 
friends, as I walk you through this, I want you to use your imagination as an energy tool. Friends, your imagination isn't something that's not real. Your imagination is what every human being uses to create physical reality. How does a painter know what to paint? How does a sculptor know what to sculpt? How does a writer know what to write? They see it all within their mind, within the imagination, before it flows through them and is created within physical reality. Friends, I want you to start by seeing yourself surrounded by thousands of angels. These are all angels that work directly for God and they circle around you. They have this light, airy, warm, yummy presence to them. And my friends, they are simply pure love and they radiate their love from their being to yours. I want you to take a moment to just breathe deeply in and out as you see and feel the presence of all of these angels surrounding you, sending their love and light energy to you. Friends, next, I want you to see yourself surrounded by your loved ones on the other side. Your angels haven't gone anywhere. They're still right there, but now steps in your loved ones on the other side. Greet them. Welcome them. Take a moment within your imagination to give them the biggest hug and kiss. Friends, as we do this healing work together, I want you to see that every single being that is surrounding you is just surrounding you because they are connected to God and they want to help you as a soul here on earth to lift your energy, to make it lighter, to take any heaviness out of your aura, chakras, and body. In order for them to help you with this, what I want you to do is voice to them. See yourself in your imagination telling your angels, your loved ones on the other side, God energy of course is there too. Tell them what you are afraid of. I want you to be specific and explain your fears to them now.
Now, friends, I want you to see your loved ones and angels on the other side comforting you, holding you, wiping away your tears. I want you to see them telling you that you're going to be okay. Your family is going to be okay. I want you to see them showing you in their way from the other side that they are there helping you every step of the way and that they will never, ever leave your side. Friends, I want you to see or feel God energy, this pure, white, radiant light pouring down from above over you. And as you feel this pure love and light, this gentle waterfall just pouring over your head, filling your body, filling your auric field to the outside of you, filling every inch of your being around you. I want you to feel that as this light energy comes in, the highest vibration that is as it gently pours into your being, I want you to feel how all the heaviness within you just releases. With the snap of your finger, God takes every ounce of heavy, low vibrational energy within you. And with that snap of the finger, God turns all of it into the highest vibration, love, light energy. Friends, I want you to imagine within your imagination, your DNA strand. Now, the way that spirit shows me the DNA and what it looks like is if you could imagine that double helix and that within that double helix are millions or billions of doors and windows. And those doors and windows open and close. And as they do, some serve your highest health and good, some do not. What I want you to do is say this prayer with me. My friends, this energy work does not have to take a lot of time. You're going to hear me say, use the snap of your fingers because within that snap of the fingers, your intention shifts the energy within your body. So you can say it, but please believe it. Know like you know like you know within your heart that you are changing the energy, the frequency within you to be pure, complete health. So say this little prayer with me now. God, please close all the doors and windows to my DNA that don't serve my highest health. With a snap of your fingers, see those doors and windows close. And God, please open all the doors and windows to my DNA that do serve my highest health. See those doors and windows open with a snap of your fingers. What I want you to do now is see yourself healthier than ever come September of this year. Daydream, visualize about what that health looks like and feels like to you within your body come September of this year. Take a moment to do this work right now and I'll come back to you with my voice in one minute.
Friends, I want you to believe like you believe like you believe that you, your family, your friends, you are protected. You are safe. You are secure. Your angels are looking out for you. God is looking out for you. Your loved ones are looking out for you. See yourself as healthier than ever come September of this year. Now I want you to pray with me for a moment for everyone else. God, please protect our nurses, doctors, and all healthcare professionals around the world. God, may you give each of them strength and protect them. God, please also protect all people who work in grocery stores, food service, or delivery. God, may you give each of them the strength and protection that they need. For all people who are suffering from COVID-19 themselves, God, may you take care of them and heal all who are able to be healed. Surround them with your divine protection. Surround them with angels and help every cell within their body to become completely 100% healthy again. God, for every person who has lost a job or had their income reduced, please clearly show them the path to healing, safety, security. Whisper to them in their hearts the direction that you would have them go. God, for every child on this planet, please help them to receive the attention, love, nurturing, and care that they so desperately need. God, please surround them with angels and allow them to feel the divine presence of your love and warmth. For those filled with hatred, God, we ask you to transmute that hate within their hearts into love energy, and we ask you to open up their hearts to make shifts and positive changes to help them raise their vibration. And everyone who is helping with the COVID-19 effort or response in some way, God, please be with each person who needs your strength. Clearly guide them and protect them with whatever they need at this time. Friends, finally, I want you to visualize Thanksgiving of this year. I want you to take a moment of silence to experience this daydream within your mind. See every single family member and friend and loved one there at the dinner table. See them happy, healthy. Feel the gratitude of this Thanksgiving beyond any other Thanksgiving in the past. Gratitude for being all together. Gratitude for all being healthy. Gratitude for the lessons learned. Gratitude for the relationships that grew deeper and the love that is between you all. Again, my friends, see your spirit team on the other side telling you that you are going to be okay. See them helping you. My friends, God loves you. Your spirit team loves you. I love you. Open up your heart like French doors to all of the unexpected blessings that they're trying to bring into your life right now. May you go forth with your day feeling lighter, and living in the high vibration that is God. Go forth in your day, surrounded by angels and your spirit team on the other side protecting you. Allow yourself to just be. Allow yourself to live in the high vibrational frequency that is God and carry it with you throughout your day. Friends, I have to have a disclaimer at the end. This podcast is to educate, inspire, and entertain you on your personal journey towards health and happiness. 
It is not intended to replace care best provided by qualified professionals, and it is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.